I make the decisions in my life. And the only way you could do that is if I fall. There's a saying, fall down seven times, get up eight. As long as you get up one more time than you fall down, you're good. Our guest this week, Fran Capo, is not like any other online success story we talk about on this podcast. She's not an online coach, but her philosophy in life is one that the most successful online coaches talk about every single day. And it has brought her to hold multiple world records and to write 22 books. Now I'm either going to be a victim for the rest of my life or I'm going to change my life around. My name is Ina, I'm your host. And for 15 years, I worked in a corporate job thinking that was the only way to win at life. It wasn't until I came around to France's way of thinking that my life started to change for the better. I had more control over my future, I stopped blaming others, and new opportunities came knocking on my door. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts while going on a walk down the street with your toddler, make sure he's not crossing the street while you swipe your phone on and leave us a quick five-star review and say something nice. It really helps support the show, and thanks. Here's the interview with a comedian who won't let anything take her down. This is The Global Phenomenon with Ina Kovany, the podcast where the self-made teach you to stop waiting to be discovered and prepare to be found. I've been really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've been so excited also because we, just our email back and forth, we had like the same philosophy. So I was like, this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> so, I think so too. The first thing I did was go and watch your TED Talk. Thank you. And I have to tell you, you and I, it's like we're cut from the same cloth. Okay, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be disagreeing a lot in this conversation. Uh, but I had some serious questions for you. Yes. In your TED Talk, you started out with everything you want to accomplish in life is totally up to you. And I have to tell you, that's something that I have come around to, it took me a long time to realize that I had this kind of control. I wanted to tell you that when you talked about your world record mindset, there were two of your, um, two of the six, eventually seven that you shared in the TED talk that right. map exactly to two of the values that we have at the global phenomenon. And those were that nothing is impossible and we say yes to opportunities, right? Exactly. So, I wanted to give you a chance to explain to us how somebody goes from being just a normal person with normal ambitions and just average thoughts and average dreams of a normal, just whatever life to feeling like you have such, such control that you have broken multiple world records, right? That you have written 22 books, that you have been down to the Titanic and up the Kilimanjaro. And there's, I'm here wondering like, okay, what is next for you? But first, I really wanted to dive into what made you this way. If you can look back that far to a time when you didn't think this way. Actually, I was really lucky because my mom, and again, my mom and dad were just blue collar workers. And my mom had this philosophy of nothing is impossible. Yeah. And my dad had this philosophy of always find the humor in life. So if I would try something and it worked out later on in life, if I try something and it worked out, it would become part of my motivational speaking. And if it didn't, it would become part of my stand-up comedy. But I'm talking about 
let me explain to you so you'll get an idea of like what my childhood was like so that what developed me like this. My mother, I believed, was like really ahead of her time because, you know, she taught us she taught herself self-hypnosis and she told the doctor back then dr renner you know he would come to the house with a little black bag and everything dr renner she said i'm gonna have my daughter with hypnosis you would have thought he told her that she was burning somebody at the stake he's like what's this witchcraft you can't have a this this that my mother's like no no this is you know calming the mind he's like no no you can't do this thing so he obviously went and they did the, you know, the pregnancy the regular way with me. But then with my sister, she didn't tell him that that's what she was doing. And she used it so she would have no pain when she was doing it. But my mom trained me in a really interesting way. When I was about three years old, I don't know if you remember the cartoon, um, the Flintstones. Course, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So remember Bam Bam, you know, the really small Bam, yes. Bam, Bam, Bam. Yeah. So I had this little Pebbles doll and I wanted a Bam Bam doll. So I told my mother, I said, mom, I really, you know, I'm three years old, whatever. Mommy, I really want a Bam Bam doll. She said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that white dollhouse that I had a white chair that I would feed my baby, you know, baby dolls in. She goes, every day, I want you to picture that Bam Bam is in that chair. And I was like, I don't want to pretend Bam Bam's in the chair. I want the doll. And she's like, you need every day to pretend that Bam Bam is in the chair. So every day I would sit there and pretend I was feeding this imaginary Bam Bam doll. And she said, no, you got to pretend you're brushing its hair and really act as if the doll is there. I'm three years old, mind you. So I'm doing this. And one day, of course, without my knowing, my mother puts the Bam Bam doll down. Mommy, the Bam Bam doll's there. And she's like, that's because you pictured it and you brought it into your existence. I had, uh, why would I not believe her? So I'm like, wow, this could work for anything. So when I was little, I already had in me that if I concentrate or if I act as if the thing is, it comes into my existence. Now, There were a lot of things people always go, oh, you were really lucky because your mom and dad was like that. And, you know, and you, you know, had this great life. Let me tell you, I've been held up at gunpoint three times. We've had our house burned down. I had to take care of my mom and dad, both who had cancer. I was their caretaker. I had to take care of my sister, actually physically give her the injection so that she could have a baby. I took care of my sister on cancer. Um, there was there were legal things, where, you know, stuff that were happening. I had it. We didn't have money for an attorney. I had to learn how to do the law and go in there and fight it pro se. And people go, well, I said, it's nothing to do with luck. Every single one of us is given this gift of life and we can either focus on the good stuff or focus on the bad. And when the bad happens, you either say, oh my gosh, this is so horrible. I can't go on. Or you go, okay, you know what? Cry because that's what I always do. Like I always cry first. I'll, you know, and then I get it. I go, all right, enough crying. Now, how do you solve it? And so what I say to anybody, who, if they're in a situation that they're very upset or they're very panicked or whatever, it's get it out of your system, scream into a pillow, write in a journal, do whatever you got to do to get all that energy about how you can't and what you're upset about and how you feel. And then it's out of you. And now you go, okay, now I'm either going to be a victim for the rest of my life 
or I'm going to change my life around. And I say, okay, I'm not going to be a victim because that means other people control me. And I refuse to let anybody make the decisions in my life. I make the decisions in my life. And the only way you can do that is if I fall. There's a saying, fall down seven times, get up eight. As long as you get up one more time than you fall down, you're good. Yeah. So, yeah. And this is, this is amazing because she taught to you what the concept of manifestation is exactly. as part of a way of life. Before, before the secret came out and all that stuff, my mother had me read this guy. I remember getting mad at the book she had me read. It was this guy called Novell. And because he used terms like the, the masculine mind and the feminine mind, and I didn't like the definition of the feminine mind. I go, I don't know, no, no. The feminine mind is not the one that has to succumb to the, to the no, 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 no. So I just, but I took the concepts from that book and my mother was always reading this type of stuff and so I did was lucky but here's the thing you know me and my sister are very different and yeah. you know I took it into who I am and she didn't necessarily take it into as much as who she's a fighter and things like that but she didn't take it into as much as I actually did and then I passed it on to my son when my son first day coming home from the hospital I had on his bed um, a poster it said God guides me always I am a winner and nothing is impossible. And people were like, he's a day old. He can't, what are you doing? I said, yeah. listen, the world is filled with so much negativity that I need to program him with things to fight that negativity, almost like a sword of, of, of battle. You know, like, like you, you know, my mother used to tell me, if somebody, if you, if somebody's saying something bad to you, pretend you're in a bubble. And that the stuff bounces off the bubble. Don't let it come into the bubble, into your space. Now, do I do this all the time? No, of course, there's times you just get upset and everybody does that. I mean, you were human. But the yeah. point is, if you learn how to do this, you control your life. Yeah. And don't wait for other people to give you what you feel is yours. Go out there and get it. And I'm a yeah. big person in believing in prayer also. So let me ask you something, because the people who are listening to us, we may have a couple different camps. Uh, there, everybody who's listening, they want to make it to the next level. They really want to wish it. Sometimes they feel like it's impossible. And there is one word out there that I have told everyone that I just wish it was eliminated from the English language, and that is the word realistic. I feel like even when I started in my own path, Uh, people telling me like, like, what is it that you want to do? Well, I'm like, well, first of all, I want to replace my salary, but really I want to be making a million dollars a year. And they would look at me and they're like, yeah, but is that realistic? And I felt like people who call themselves realists are just pessimists giving themselves a fancy name. And <laughs> I just feel like it's just a concept that we, we use to kind of tear ourselves down so that we can't ever be hurt or wrong or disappointed. And I was wondering, you know, you haven't been, having grown up with this mindset, which by the way, I had to develop. I didn't grow up with it. Uh, it's something that, you know, little by little, I started to take little bits of control over my life and realize that I like that better than not. And in my life, it may have been, come from my mother, my upbringing being Catholic and feeling like I'm guilty of everything that happens. I kind of <laughs> turned that into 
well, if I'm guilty of everything that happens, that means that I must have a lot of control over what happens. So I've internalized it that way. Right. So I would love for you to speak to those people who are like, well, yes, Ina, you're talking about all these things. And yes, Fran, you say how wonderful this is. You probably because you grew up with it, that's easy for you to say, but it's really not realistic for me. What do you say when you hear that? Okay. first of all, this is how uh, I'm going to explain to anybody who talks about realism. Okay, If people did not think beyond where they are now, they would never move forward. At one point in time, was it realistic that we would have a tiny device of a phone where we could speak to anybody in the world? At one point in time, was it realistic that we would be able to get from this side of the world to the other side of the world in 20, day, in 20 hours? Was it realistic that we could put a man on the moon? Was it realistic that somebody could go from losing every single election he ever went for Abraham Lincoln, and then become president. Was it realistic? Who the hell defines realistic? Realistic just means I don't think I can do it. And you know what? You're right. If you don't think you could do it, you won't. But why would you want to think that way? If you have the, if the, if you want to be realistic and your odds are, I am here, I would like to go here, but realistically, I think I'm going to stay here. What do you have to lose if you have this mentality? At least go for it. Because then once you break through anything that you think you couldn't have done, then you go, wow, I did that. If I do that, maybe I could do this. I mean, there are people who, there are people who are graduating college at like 80 years old. You see these things. Or people who never had a driver license. They're like, what do you want it now, boy? You're 70. And then, and then. I met this one guy who was doing a TV show. Uh, his name was uh, Banana George. He wore all yellow and his wife wore all yellow. The guy said his entire life, he lived like, no, I can't do this. I got to work. No, I can't do this. At the age of 70, he took up water skiing. He became one of the top barefoot water skiers at the age of 70. People, realism is what you, the limits you put on yourself. You know what? Realistic is, let's be realistic. Do you want to think negative or do you want to think positive? Let's be realistic. Would you rather earn 20,000 or aspire? If you aspire for a million and you get to 500,000, you might be happy. Right. That's my answer to realism. So I have run into a lot of people who it's not only that they have a wish, that they have a dream, and they feel like it's not realistic. Those people at least have gotten to the point of wanting something, right? And what's stopping them may be fear or, uh, you know, just, just putting their own blocks in their situation. But how many times have I heard people saying, but Ina, I don't want to make a million dollars. So I have, I have these conversations with people where they don't even dare dream that big. Like it's, they're like, no, no, no. Why, why would I need that? And then the next day they're lamenting themselves because there's a monetary situation in their life where uh, they don't have the freedom in their life. I'm like, didn't you just tell me yesterday you don't want a million dollars? Didn't you think that that would have been helpful? today with the problems that you're having? Like, why are people not even daring to go that far? Well, here's the thing. First of all, money, you know, they say um, 
money is the root of all evil. I say money, lack of money is the root of all evil. Because if you, just because people have money does not make them bad. Oh my God, they're a big corporation, therefore they're bad. You know, a big corporation once started out as a single person having an idea and getting more people and more people and more people and having the business sense to then get another office and another office. And they built it. It wasn't like one day they wake up. And I'm not talking about the people who were handed, you know, from their father, because it started at some point, you know, Hershey's Kisses at some point started with a guy making chocolate in his garage. You know, all these companies, the MyPillow guy, for God's sakes, that guy used to be a crackhead. Now he owns this huge pillow factory. So the thing is, you know, having money, if you say, oh, I don't want to be one of those people who have money. I don't need all that money. Fine. Make the money and then give it to people that you think who might need the money. Do something good with the money. What the hell could you do if you only have $10? You know, give $1 to somebody. But if you have a million dollars, then open up a, you know, a rescue for cats and dogs. You know, help women with cancer, whatever you want to do. Money, unfortunately, is our currency. But here's the other thing. Okay, so maybe people don't strive for money. Really, I don't strive for money. Everybody always has that thing of a million dollars. I strive for happiness. Because Mm. if you're happy, that covers everything else. Because if you're sick, you're not going to be happy. If you don't have money, I'm not going to say you're not going to be happy. But what the thing is, if you're happy, if you're truly happy, then that's really what you need to strive for. It's not a thing. It's not a dollar amount. It's not a place. It's not a certain thing. The happiness comes, first of all, from inside. And anybody who says, oh, when I get that, I'll be happy. When I get that, I'll be happy. They keep looking externally for something else to make them happy. And that's not where you should look. But I don't know how to make myself inside happy. Okay, think of the time in your life when you were the happiest. What was that time like? What is it about that time that made you happy? And do things that recreate that happiness feeling so that you have that inside you. Because if you are your own best cheerleader, which is one of the seven world record mindsets I talk about, Mm-hmm. You don't need external people. Now, I'm not saying not to have friends. I'm not saying any of that because it's great to have friends and people who encourage you. But mm-hmm. if you have your own, if you can say, Capo, get up and do it. Capo, go after there and do it. And you could cheer yourself on, then nothing is going to get you down because you know how to get yourself out of it. Yeah. And can you I- know what? Here's one last thing. Yeah. I don't care what walk of life you come from. Because there are people that have come from the ghettos and strive to the top. I mean, I think it was Oprah has been raped. I mean, I mean, I think there are stories of people who have been abused as a child and they and they go on to be. Don't use your past as an excuse for why you can't have the future you want, because that is just nothing else but making an excuse. Hone your own power inside. Yeah. Figure out what it is that makes you happy and go after it. Yeah. Can I throw a doozy at you that I'm really, really curious to see what you think as a successful woman yourself? I don't believe that there are accidents when it comes to success. I believe that there's drive, there's wanting, there's uh, that this is part of the equation, that it's not like you are doing something that you like and people just go and hand things to you, right? I think there's, there's got to be 
a purpose that you have to take on all of those opportunities, right? For you that drive being happiness, like yes, saying yes to opportunities. But there are so many people out there, and I've heard this from a lot of women, and I've I've heard this from a lot of men too, saying that for some reason, them driving towards success or driving towards uh, you know, making something that is really big, being ambitious is it kind of taints your success. That if, well, if it's in God's plan that I write a book, then uh, I will take it and I will happily, you know, live that kind of life and I'll use my success for the better. And I'm like, yeah, but who's handing you a book? You actually put in a lot of work. You have to actually want this because writing a book is not something just anybody does, you know, overnight, right? So there's got to be a lot of work and there's got to be a lot of wanting on your side. You got to have some kind of ambition for you to make it there. And somehow there's a lot of people who believe that your success is only pure if somebody else is recognizing it, if somebody else is putting you up on a pedestal rather than you saying, I'm going to put myself on that pedal. So I'm going to do all of these things to make that dream happen. And I really wanted to know as a successful woman yourself, what role has ambition, has you wanting big things in life and not wanting anything to stop you? What role has that had in your success and the way that you live your life? Okay, so you covered a lot of things. So one, I would say this. So let's say just taking it down, because I like to do things in analogies sometimes then and going straight forward. So you wanted to win the lottery and you say, well, I'm going to wait till somebody just drives by my house and drops off a lottery ticket at my house. Really? Is that going to happen? No, you at least have to go to the store, take the dollar you earned and buy that lottery ticket so that you have the chance. And then somebody, whoever pulls those magic numbers, recognizes your lottery number and does it, but you had to meet that person halfway. I don't think God said, and this is my personal opinion. Okay, I want you to all be a bunch of blobs on the earth. I don't want you to really go after anything. Just sit there, maybe eat. Oh, maybe people should bring the food to you. That's right, because maybe you shouldn't work to go get the food to go eat. You should just kind of stay there because you could take that to any level. When you when you cook, why bother cooking and making a nice meal for yourself? That takes effort. I mean, you know, are you conceited because you want to make this beautiful, lovely meal? And no, then why not just eat the banana? What do you have to cook the banana, slice it in half, add the Nutella? What do you have to do all this stuff for? You know, so my thing is this. I believe very much in prayer. And I believe that I pray, dear God, you know, please, I always pray not for my way, but for the truth to be known. Like, so if like, whatever, if I'm in a law case, I'm like, dear God, let the truth be seen and let justice prevail in the way that you deem fit. I don't say, dear God, make me win. I say, let justice be seen. Okay. And so, but then that doesn't mean that I sit there and then I don't hire a lawyer. I don't, you know, write my own papers. I don't come up with my thing and just go, Hey, you know, God's got it in his hand. Uh, You know, God, you do your thing. You're my lawyer now. No, come on people. Stop being so damn lazy. You know what? The thing is, people want stuff. I cannot tell you how many people tell me, I want to write a book. And then I go, all right. And then my first answer is, so write one. And then I go, no, what do you need to do? I go, okay, if I tell you what you need to do, you have to listen to the whole thing because I don't want you to get discouraged. And a lot of times I tell the people the process and they're like, oh, it's too much work. I'm like, how do you think it, it, you know, it came about? 
It's right. word by word, page by page, thought by thought that it comes about. Oh, you're so lucky you wrote 22 books. Okay, let me tell you, not, luck had nothing to do with me writing 22 books. Me sitting down 10 hours a day at the computer had to do with me writing the books. Now, now I write the book. If it's a bestseller and I get it to the right publisher or whatever, okay, yes, that takes some luck. But is it conceited for me to say, I want to write a book that I think could help somebody? If you have something inside you that you think can benefit in the world, you know what? You're actually more selfish to keep it to yourself and not get it out there to people because it's a gift that God gave you or it's a gift that you have. Let's say your gift is art or your gift is singing. Oh, so what? You're not going to go audition at the places. You're not going to try the things. You know, God's just going to land the perfect audition. You know what? You have to go out there so God can see you. I think it's a two-way street. God goes, this is your gift. What are you going to do with it? Your gift back is what you do with it. And it is not conceited. I always say you need to be confident, not conceited. Mm -hmm. And being confident in your abilities and being able to let people benefit from your knowledge of how to build a car or your music or, or the words you put into a book, you're giving the world a gift. And then maybe that gift inspires someone else to do their gift. You know, it's a domino effect, people. It's not just you sitting there. Well, if God wants me to do it. Okay, I'm going to tell a story. And this will be the perfect example. Tell me. So, um, you know, I was in Queens College and I was writing um, and I was an accounting and philosophy major. And so a lot of times, you know, people are like, how does those two go together? It's like one plus one is two. Why? You know, <laughs> they don't go together, you know? <laughs> so I. At that time, you know, there were not a lot of female comics. Like it was Joan Rivers and maybe Phyllis Diller. Lucille Ball was more of a female comedic actress. There weren't a lot of female comics. And I said, you know, God, if I should be a stand-up comic, give me a sign. This is what I say to God. God, give me a sign. And I'm, you know, I'm in college, going about my way and, and everything. And um, I go to a car show. And there was this thing, handwriting analysis. And I did it to see what it would say. It says, you have a good sense of humor. Use it to make money. And I went, ah, that's just a handwriting analysis. Okay. <laughs> now I go in and I take an acting class. And what happens is I did not, it was Edward Albee's The Zoo Story. And I didn't realize the scene I was doing was a suicide scene. For some reason, I didn't see it that way. I thought it was a comedy scene. So I'm doing it. And the teacher goes, wow, I've uh, never heard it done that way before. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you do realize the guy's trying to commit suicide. I went, oh, I totally didn't get that. And so the kids in the class were laughing. And one kid who had done stand-up, this guy, he goes, Fran, I'll give you my act if you go do stand-up comedy. And I said, well, what's your act? And he said, well, you know, about smoking pot. I said, I've actually never smoked pot. No, I don't think that's going to work. So now God's probably going, hey, hey, how many signs I got to give you? So right. now- I'm over there going, I don't know. So now I'm at Great Adventures. I'm standing online telling my friend a story. A total stranger taps me on the back and goes, I really apologize. I was overhearing your conversation. And God, you're funnier than some of the stand-ups I've seen. You should do stand-up comedy. And I go, that's just the guy online. What does that guy know? I know at this point, God is going, do not. What the hell's the matter with you? How many times I got to tell you? So now I say, God, I don't understand. Why are you not answering my prayer? I said, can you please give me a sign? Okay. 
at this point, God's going, oh man, this, this one's thick. So <laughs> I normally would go in the front of my, uh, the front of my school, you know, the door that I would go in to go to my class that day, it was, it was closed due to construction. So I had to go around the side of the building, which I've never gone in that door. And right in front of me on the wall, it said, oh, I said to God, God, I need you to give me a sign and make it convenient. I added, make it convenient. Make it convenient. Yeah. 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 No, God, listen, if I'm asking, why not make it convenient? <laughs> so I walk in and right on the door is a sign that says, stand up comedy auditions today. The winner performs at Creighton and Gray's. I was 20 minutes from Queens College. Creighton and Gray's was an Irish pub two blocks from my house that had never done stand-up comedy. So I started, I was like, there's the sign. And then I looked and it said, um, stand-up comedy auditions today. And I looked at the time and I had five minutes left and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never late for class. Should I do this? So I ran to where the audition was. It was in a broom, broom closet. I swear to you, I'm not kidding. The guy's name was Brian. He was standing in a closet. There was a broom and a mop. And I go, is this the audition? And he goes, yeah, I couldn't find another room. I go, all right. He goes, what do you got? I didn't have anything prepared. So I, to be honest, I don't even remember what I said to the guy. I said it. The guy goes, all right, we'll let you know the winner. I go, I run to my class, blah, blah, blah. Don't hear from the guy. So I'm like, wow, I wonder who won that contest. So I go around and then I see this sign and the, the guy's number's there. And I call him, he goes, Fran. He goes, we've been trying to get in touch with you. You won the contest. What? Goes, but you ran out so quickly. You didn't leave your number. And we put a sign up there telling you to call. But I never walked in that door again. So now I go do the comedy that night and, um, and this is all to, okay. So I do the comedy. I said, well, how much time do I have to do this on a Monday? He goes, uh, you have to do five minutes, which is normal for a person starting out stand up. I go, okay. Then Tuesday, he calls me, you got to do 10 minutes. I go, 10 minutes, that's double the time. By Friday, by Thursday, he said, you have to do a half an hour on stage. I had never been on stage before. I go half an hour. I'm calling all my friends. What's the funniest thing I ever told you? I have a teddy bear. I'm putting notes on the back of the bear. I go perform. I get a standing ovation that night. Second night, I try to repeat what I had done the first night. I bomb so bad. I get embarrassed. I run in the bathroom, lock the door, won't let anybody come into the whole audience leaves. Three months later, some guy I, says to me, Hey, Fran, I saw you perform stand-up. I go, Friday or Saturday? He goes, Friday. I go, oh, good, good. Nice. And then I started doing stand-up. My point being is that if I, I kept asking for a sign, and sometimes people are saying they're waiting for the signs, and you don't even realize God's giving you the sign. If God put the desire in your heart, that's your sign. And you're waiting for a miraculous sign. Like in my instance, I guess after I kept asking, God's going, oh, she's never going to shut up about this sign. And so he finally gave me an actual sign. But the point is, the sign could be right there in front of you, but you're thinking it has to come in a certain way. And if it doesn't come in that certain way, then he's not really giving you the sign. And therefore, you should not move ahead. Forget all that crap. You got it in your heart. You want to do it. Go out and do it. I love that how... It, the fact that the desire is in you is your sign. Like what more do you need to go out and do it? And I, I, I love how you say like, it's a disservice to everybody else. You're being selfish by not acting on these desires and trying to impact as many people as possible, right? 
So what do you want to be on this earth for? Do you want, you want to leave the earth a better place? Do you want yeah. to leave and you, you've done nothing? Yeah. Come on. You're not here to just breathe and eat. So now let me ask you, I just have a couple more questions. You've been very generous and I've loved every minute of this. Thank you so <laughs> much. Um, I have one, two more questions. What do you think is the biggest misconception about being a global phenomenon? I think the biggest misconception is that people think that when they get to that level, if they get to that level or hoping to get to that level, that all of a sudden that they change that. Well, yes, your life's going to change to some degree. It's bound to change because, I mean, it doesn't mean, I mean, there are plenty of people. I knew this one, a friend of my dad's, you would have never known the guy was a multimillionaire. He walked around with shorts and flip flops. And, and I remember him going into a Porsche dealer one day and the guy's like, sorry, you can't afford this car. And the guy goes, well, I was about to buy two. And he walked out. And yeah. the thing is, you don't have to buy elaborate things because you have it. You could do anything you want with that money and success but you're a far better voice in the world when you're successful because people then listen to you more because they feel like, well, he figured it out or she figured it out. So let me learn from that person how they got to it. The misconception is that somehow when you become rich, all of a sudden you're privileged. And I don't think that because I've seen people who have worked job after job after job and struggle and then built a business. People that have failed at like 10 businesses and then their 11th business works and they're making a lot of money and people are like, look at you, you're so rich, you're making that money. Do you wanna go through those 11 failed businesses? Do you wanna you know, spend 40 hours, 80 hours, 90 hours a week doing it? Don't mm. begrudge me because I was willing to do what I had to do to get to where I am. Yeah. Nobody except maybe the really super, super rich and the uh, privileged who are just handed something. People work for what they have. Yeah. I, the misconception that those people should be hated or, or looked or, you know, they're evil because they're rich is wrong. We're in a country that unfortunately right now is in a, you know, crazy time, but we're in a country that anyone, anyone has the opportunity to become what they want. And I don't want to hear excuses about, I came from poor. I came from this. I came from that. We've all had our own challenges and there are people who make it. I love that movie. Um, oh man, silent. Uh, oh wow. The one with the Nassau women, I'm blanking out on the on the thing where the, it was the black NASA women that were uh, the responsible for the space uh, ship to go up. Hidden uh, figures. Hidden, hidden figures. Yeah. Did you see what those women did? She went to court to, to fight to be able to go to the thing. You believe in something, you go after it. But when the people then get it, don't, oh, look at her. She's in such a hot position. Yeah. She thinks who she is. Really? Do you know the fight that people have to do to get there? So the misconception is, don't ever begrudge someone for yeah. getting to the top. Find out how to get there and be along with them and then do whatever you feel in your heart you can do to make it a better place once you're there. Because you can't help people from the bottom. I love so much that you said that. Um, when I created the global phenomenon, it was important to me that this wasn't 
a plan. This wasn't a, a thing that would fall into the wrong hands. Like I didn't want to create another Disney villain through mm-hmm. showing them how to take over the world. I actually wanted to inspire really good people because what would happen in this world if good people were ambitious? How much good would there be in the world if more good people were ambitious? So I first, first thing I did was sit down and I wrote this nine values of the global phenomenon. And you just touched on another one, which is we don't judge or put others down. When we're doing that, what we're really doing is just putting ourselves down. We're creating a barrier for us to make it that big. Exactly. Really to impact more people because if that's the way we see them, then that's the way we think people are going to see us. So we're really not doing anything but putting ourselves down and not appreciating that when you work hard and you make it there, you deserve to be there. So I, I so love that you got there because it's, it's a really, really important lesson I want everybody to walk away with. Thank you. Because I, I mean, I truly believe that because people were, I mean, you know, people don't see, and I think this is the problem, you know, like Billy, uh, Billy, uh, uh, Billy Crystal at one point said, people said, wow, look at you. You said, he goes, yeah, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. Right. People don't see the drudgery and the everyday thing that people are doing to even do something as simple. And I'm not going to say it's simple. Look at bodybuilders. You think that body just happens overnight? Unless you're wearing a shirt that shows you all of a sudden as a bodybuilder. You, they, every day have to watch what they eat, work out, have a training schedule. And you can't say, wow, I'd love to have a body like that. Look what they did to get that. But because people are not there watching the everyday grind of how they got to there or who they had to borrow money from or what kind of barter deal they had to do to be able to open that business or, or get that body or run that race or whatever it is that is their happy place in their head. And because you don't see that daily grind, the, part of the reason I believe everybody cheers Rocky on in the movie Rocky is you're watching him punch the, the meat in the thing and you're watching him sweat and you're watching people make fun of him and you're watching people and then you're like, oh my God, please, please make it. But if yeah. everybody had a glimpse into a tiny window into what every one of us had to do to get to where we want to go, then maybe you wouldn't begrudge people for being there or maybe you wouldn't be scared to get there yourself because you put your blood, sweat and love into it. And yeah. you know what? I would love that my book just wrote itself like that. It doesn't. So, you know, you have to love what you do. So find your happiness of what makes you happy and find a way to use that to make money, you know, so that you can live a good life, that you can help others out. That if a friend is in need, you could say, hey, here's 500 bucks to help you out. You can't do that if you're not making $100 a week. Yeah. You know, so be in a place where you could do the things that you feel would make society better. Yeah. I, I do want to, I don't know how many questions you have or anything like that uh, more, but I do want to just say a couple of things. Obviously during COVID, you know, a lot of crazy things had happened. And because I'm a stand-up comic, I can't perform live. Yeah. And one of the things that people, you know, you could look at any crisis that happens in your life and go, oh man, it's over. Or you could say, all right, what am I going to do to reinvent myself? Now I do voiceovers. So I redid my voiceover tape and actually I sent it out. And the very next day I got hired for a voiceover. Uh, All I did was put it on Facebook. Now, um, 
I, um, I do coaching at home. I'm, um, stuff, having some of my books that were just in, you know, hard copy book form made into PDFs. So I don't have to go to the post office and face all those people. And I could just either, you know, I could, they could just download the book, but I wanted to be able to do something, three things that I thought, like, what could I do to give people as gifts to help them? And obviously I have to also be thinking about making money, but these three gifts were not in the vein of making money. They were in the vein of helping people. And there's nothing wrong with making money, people. The supermarket people who are selling you the food are making money. The farmers, everybody has to make money to live. That's our society right now. So first I did these these, uh, bracelets that I handed out to everybody, which says, hands clean and off face, use humor to regenerate. And then inside it has my frankcapo.com because I wanted people to remember every time they saw it, not to touch their face and to wash their hands, but to also, no matter what's going on, to find the humor in life. So that. Then the second thing I did was I said, all right, I'm not getting paid as a performer, but every Monday and Wednesday at 11 o'clock, I go on Facebook and I do what I call a cup of capo live, like a cup of coffee, but a cup of capo, a cup of capo live at 11 o'clock Eastern standard time. And I tell funny stories about my encounters with wild animals or my adventures, or even the other day when I had to go pick, I, I mean, I even make everyday life. And a, a lot of my friends were saying they're very anxious about things that are happening you know, you know, we still don't know when things are opening. We've got all this crazy stuff going on. And so I said, what can I do that could relax people? So I created a nighttime mindset meditation yeah. that all people have to do is go to my website, frangapo.com, and they download it and you listen to it at night and it relaxes you, relieves stress and anxiety. And in addition, it also gives you positive energy for the next day. And a lot of people are downloading. It's a free gift. They just have to give me their email. Yes, I get an email in exchange. They have to give me their email. And then four times a year, I send out a newsletter. And um, But I got the greatest thing that just happened three days ago. One of the guys that downloaded the um, mindset meditation texted me and said, my mom has dementia. And she just had an episode and they didn't know what to do with her because she was so, I sent your mindset meditation and without medication, she fell asleep in 17 minutes. The feeling that I got from that, knowing that I could do something that even if it was just that one person, but luckily it's more than just that one person, just made me feel like my purpose in life, which is what we've been talking about this whole time, your purpose in life can change. It helped the mother, it helped the caretaker, and it helped the son not worry about the mother. So whatever mm-hmm. gift you have, you want to give to other people. And, you know, I've written 22 books. I had one book that was channeled to me, which was Hopeville, the City of Light. It mm-hmm. contains the 44 secrets of happiness in it. This one, especially now when everybody is fearful and everybody has all these things, this book will give you hope. So I try to do things that I feel will benefit people in the world. And hopefully in return, they come see me live. They enjoy my stuff. You know, they buy my books. They say, hey, she's a good person. Thumbs up, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, can I just say for everybody listening who may think like, well, so all I have to do is wait for a download and do, I want to let everyone know that Fran is here Everything she does, she acts from inspiration. 
the inspiration strikes and she says yes and she goes and does it. And I feel like everybody who's listening to this has the potential to want to do something and spring into action right away to see what happens. Um, a lot of us tend to come up with an idea and put it on a list and then forget about the list. And the more time passes between the the, the strike of inspiration and actually doing it and the less passion, like the passion just starts to kind of get away from you. And I would encourage everybody to take this story and to understand that when you have that inspiration, that, 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 what is it called? They call it the flash of genius. Act right away. It, it's happened to me where I am having a conversation with a friend of mine and we want to create an app and we're just talking. We're not, you know, whatever, just, just, chatting about it. And that night I can't go to sleep and I'm up until four in the morning creating a mock-up for the app. That, by the way, never happened because my friend saw it the next day and he's like, you are crazy. That was just kidding. And I'm like, yeah, but it's awesome. It's like act from inspiration, not knowing what's on the other side. Just go and do it and find out. All the things that you say, and, and you're talking about lists. I actually have a list every day. And I always say this because people say, my husband always jokes, am I on your list today? And I'm like, I have the list, but I, everything every day has to go to the next day's list if I don't do it. But what I do to not get myself overwhelmed mm -hmm. is I go, all I have to accomplish today is this. So for example, today I said, all I have to accomplish today is, you know, my normal stuff in the morning, go do my walk, do my coaching session that I had before, do my radio show with you. I'm a radio, TV, whatever, Zoom, Zoom show, whatever you call <laughs> things these days. And then after that, do my podcast and then do another voiceover. And I said, if I do those five things today, then, I, then I'm good. And then tomorrow I have a whole other list. But yeah. every day you should have something that just gets you closer to your goal. Even if your goal is losing weight, eat one donut instead of three. You know, right. <laughs> just do something towards your goal. But one of the key things for your listeners, I feel, is make sure you always ask yourself empowering questions, not questions that make you get overwhelmed. Like, don't, so say to yourself, what could I do to make myself happier? What could I do to make that app happen? What could I do to surprise my husband or wife? What could I do to spend more time with my kids? Because when you ask a question, your brain answers that question. But if you say, I'm so tired, I'm never going to be able to get through this. You know, I'm never going to be able to get through this. Then you're putting that in you. So always mm -hmm. ask yourself the positive questions. Mm -hmm. Now, I have one final question. Yes. I am giving you the power to make everybody in the world do one thing for the next, during the next 24 hours, they have to do it in the next 24 hours to advance in their lives and their dreams. And they have to do it. Whatever comes out of your mouth, that's what the entire world is going to go and do. What would that thing be? Okay, I might have to think about this for a second. Take your time. What would that thing be? That thing would be that they each have to write down a paragraph of how their happiest life would look and take the first step towards accomplishing that. Okay. Perfect. It's beautiful. And I love it. It's going to help so many people out there. So Fran, 
Yes. How can people find you? How should they follow you? And how do they get your book? The simplest thing is to go to Fran, F-R-A-N, Capo, like head of the mob, francapo.com. <laughs> the mindset meditation is right there on the homepage. You enter your email, you can download it and sleep peacefully tonight. There's a store on my francapo.com book site. Just press store. All the books are there and I autograph them personally to people. And uh, following me, I usually, my social media thing that I do the most is on Facebook. And the Cup of Capo is live every Monday and Wednesday on uh, Facebook. But if you go to francapo.com, right at the top, it says francapo.com, Cup of Capo live, 11 o'clock. You know? So everything is really easy if you just go to francapo.com. I love it. And we are going to put it in the show notes so everybody can go there. And on your profile at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Fran, we'll put all those links there. So Fran, you have been a delight and a real source of inspiration. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. And I want to say, I love this concept of your show that you're doing. And you're such an easy and um, heart-filled host that Thank it's you. a pleasure to do this with you because it's just like, I feel your, I mean, I've never met you, but I just feel your energy of really wanting to help people come through here. And I love doing something like this and I love being a part of this. And, and Emmy, our good friend, um, hooked us up together and Emmy says, great things are going to be happening. <laughs> so I, I'm glad I'm going to be involved in this great thing. I am so happy that you are here. You're a founding member of this global phenomenon. <laughs> I am super honored to have you here and to, for you to have given up your time to talk to me. It's just a huge honor. So thank you, Fran, so much. And everybody go to francapo.com and check everything out. Thank you, Fran. Thank you. Take care. Hey there, Ina here. After this interview, you may be wondering if Fran is not an online coach. Should I even care about how she manages her online presence? And I would put my online presence expert hat and say, were you even listening to this episode? Fran described at least three lead magnets she is using to attract her ideal client. So stick around for the next episode where I will teach you three things Fran is doing very right. And you can start doing these things right now. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on your podcasting app and watch for the companion episode coming up next. To send me a question for the Q&A segment in the next companion episode, go to theglobalphenomenonpodcast.com and I will answer your question on the air. See you on the next one. Thank you for listening to The Global Phenomenon with Ina Coveney. Join the conversation inside the Facebook group at theglobalphenomenon.com slash Facebook. Listen to new interviews every Monday and learn with a companion episode every Thursday. This podcast was created by Ina Coveney, music by Jared LaBelle, and this was the voice of Kip Clark.